Put a God over my mouth. May I only say what you want me to say. Put a filter over the ears of every person in this house today that they may only hear what you want them to hear. And so, Father, we welcome you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I appreciate the honor that's been shown this evening. Is that okay like that? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Technology, hey. Um, I do value the friendship that is being built with Dan and Joe. Uh, you've got great pastors. You've got great pastors. They're passionate lovers of Jesus. They're audacious in their faith. Nothing stops them. <laughs> and they've been an example to myself and Sarah. I'm married to Sarah, my wife. We actually celebrate 16 years on the 20th of September. I know I don't look old enough. <laughs> I've got two children, Reuben, who's 14, and Sienna, who's 12. But our paths have crossed some 18 months ago, 16 months ago, something like that. Uh, and we're developing a friendship and a journey together. And I'm excited to see what the Lord is going to do with not only our relationship, but what the Lord is going to do with the church of Jesus Christ in our nation. We need some audacious, passionate lovers of Jesus like Dan and Joe who will take those big, bold steps of faith to see the manifestation of Christ come on the earth. And just as we were in worship there, I'll go, I'll go into some stories in just a moment. But just as we were in worship, as we were singing that, is it a refrain? Even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. And I just felt that it was like a life of a caterpillar. A caterpillar lives for a season and then it goes into a cocoon. Even when you can't see it, it's working. Even when you can't feel it, it's working. And between seven days to 21 days, it comes out of the cocoon and it begins to fly like a butterfly. When the caterpillar thinks it's about to die, it spreads its wings and it begins to fly. When the world thinks the church is about to die, I believe the Lord has got us in this cocoon season, this cocoon time, this cocoon era, where we're working, where we're stretching, where we're growing. And then there is going to be a moment, and I believe we're about to enter into that moment. And a live church, be ready for that moment. Because that cocoon is going to break open and we're going to spread our wings like eagles and fly higher, soar like wings of eagles to higher places, new places that we didn't even dream of or we couldn't even imagine. And so I want to encourage you this evening. When the caterpillar thinks it's about to die, it spreads its wings and becomes a butterfly. When the world thinks, and you just touched on it briefly then, when the world thinks that the church is in demise and it's about to die, I believe the Lord is about to do something significant and supernatural with the church of Jesus Christ, that it's going to come out of this cocoon, spread its wings, and we are going to see revival break out in this nation. Does anybody believe that here at a live church? See, something happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus 
came to this earth, lived like a man, died like a sinner on a cross. And then he was put into a cocoon, the tomb. And all of hell was rejoicing, thinking it's over. But little did they know, even when you can't see it, he's moving, he's working. Even when you can't feel it, he's on the move. And three days later, there was an earthquake and the stone was rolled away and out came our glorious Saviour. I believe it's a picture, a prophetic picture of what God is doing with the church of Jesus Christ in this moment. And if you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying, I want to encourage you to open your ears, open your hearts and get ready for the greatest, wildest ride of your life. It's going to take faith. It's going to take hope. Because I believe that we're going to go through some of the most darkest moments this nation has ever known. We can see it already on our news. Politicians don't know quite what to do. Brexit, are we in or out? Have we got a deal or no deal? It doesn't really matter what's happening in the nation. If our roots are sunk deep into Christ and our hope is in Him. Isaiah 40 says, even young men grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength and mount up on wings like eagles. You don't even go back into walking and running. He says, I'm going to take you to a whole new level. It's called soaring. It's like going to a whole new place, a whole new level. And I believe that for you, a live church, Highcombe, a live church in all of your locations, a live church is a movement. I believe you haven't seen the best yet. I believe the best is still yet to come. And I encourage you, church family, not that Joe and, and, and sorry, what's your name? Dan. Not that Dan and Joe have told me to say this, but I want to encourage you to get behind the vision that God has placed in the hearts of your pastors. Because they are preparing themselves and the church of Jesus Christ for the greatest revival this nation has ever seen or believed. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That was just for free. I didn't mean to say any of that. But actually in that cocoon season, I can't move away from that. Isaiah 54, you opened with it. But the first two verses are, sing Oh, barren woman, you who never have had a child. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Sing, oh, barren woman. There's a contradiction in that statement. I have pastored, I have looked after some families and some close friends of ours that month in, month out, pregnancy test after pregnancy test, there's no child. And to say to that family... Sing. It's not the worst thing I could say to them in that moment. It's the worst pastoral advice I could give them in that moment. But the writer in Isaiah 54 says, even before the miracle takes place, even before you see the breakthrough, even before you see the cocoon open and the butterfly fly out or the eagle fly out, you need to start singing. You need to start singing. Don't stay quiet. It's time to sing, even in your barrenness. Because even when you don't see it, He's working. Even when you don't feel it, He's working. He never stops. 
He never stops. Acts 16, you got the story of Paul and Silas in a prison cell. And it says in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, about midnight. It's always worse at midnight, eh? I've known seasons of my life when I've gone through some dark moments, some challenging moments. And it's in those early hours that I hear the whispers of the enemy that says, you're not going to get through this one. You're not going to make it through this one. But Paul and Silas, it says about midnight, and I remember one particular season in my life about five years ago. My wife had gone to to bed on, it was a Saturday afternoon. She wasn't feeling very well. And uh, she said, I'm just going to go and rest. I said, that's okay, no problem. On and off for about a week, she'd had ups and downs in her health. And she said on this one particular Saturday, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go and lie down. She wakes up on the Sunday morning and she said, Rick, I don't feel well at all. So you carry on, go to church. And then when you come back, lunch will be ready. And then I'm just going to go back to bed again because I don't feel up to going out this, this morning. I said, that's okay, no problem. I come back from church. And bless her, she had made us some lunch. We're sitting down, and she's sitting opposite me across the table. And as she's speaking, my son cracks a joke like he does at 14 years old, 13 at the time. And as she goes to smile, only half of her mouth went up. And I realized straight away that she was having a stroke. I swept, I picked her up, put her into the car, drove, broke every rule in the book. Forgive me, Jesus. Got her, got her into A&E and they said straight away, she was only 36 years old at the time. They said to her, as soon as they saw her, that you've, got, you've had a lacuna stroke. It was the left side of her brain that affected the right side of her body. That was an extremely dark moment for us as a family. What do you do in those moments when you can't see it and you know he's still working? When you can't feel it and you know he's still working, but you want to see the manifestation of it, hey? You want to see the breakthrough. You want to see the healer. We sang about it earlier on. We want to see the God of the breakthrough breakthrough. I'm sitting with her in the hospital and test after test and brain scans and all sorts of crazy stuff going on. The only thing, church, I could do at that moment, about midnight, and you read it earlier on, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And I remember holding a hand, it was about midnight. The only thing that I could do at that moment was turn to my Savior. I couldn't rely on doctors. I couldn't rely on the money in my bank account. I couldn't rely at that moment on friends and family. The only thing that I could do at that moment was press into God and say, you are my good shepherd. And in you, I have everything that I need. Even though I don't see it, you're working. Even though I don't feel it, I know you're working. You never stop. You never stop. And I want to say to you, Highcombe Alive Church this evening, Regardless of what you may be going through, Paul and Silas in a prison cell, in stocks, in chains, beaten, battered, bruised, 
just because they've been doing Jesus' work. They could have been complaining. They could have been sending Instagram pictures of saying, look how tough life is. They could have been tweeting and Facebooking all of their friends and saying how bad it is. But no, in Acts chapter 16, verse 25, my Bible tells me about midnight, Paul and Silas begin to sink. And when they start lifting up their praise and their worship to the king, it's like the cocoon began to open. The prison doors, my Bible says, flung open and they were set free. I want to say to you today, church, Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman. Sing if you're in a prison cell. Sing through the circumstance and the situations that you may be facing. Is it all all right for me? No, it's not. My wife, this summer, two weeks ago, was in hospital and she, she was in for three weeks this summer. What do I do? Do I stop believing the goodness of God? No. I just remind myself I'm a caterpillar. And when it looks as though it's going to die, there is going to come a moment that I will stand here one day and testify of the grace and the goodness and the healing power of Jesus Christ. How he restored and healed my wife. So I want to say to you this evening, don't give up. Whatever you may be walking through, whatever you may be going through, don't give up. In fact, turn it into a song. Because my Bible tells me we were created to worship. We were created to worship. Our lives should be a worship too. And worship isn't just the start of a service for 25 minutes, a few songs that we sing, slap each other a high five and then we go home. No, every moment of every day, our lives should be worship to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because He deserves the highest praise. And I know that He never lets us down. He's the same yesterday, today and forevermore. And even when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. For you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. They guide us. They protect us. They remind us of his goodness. So I encourage you. Let me go on to what I was going to speak about this evening. I just felt that in worship to encourage somebody. Or if it was just an encouragement for myself, I've just preached that to myself. April 19, 2018. I've had a normal night. We've had some friends over for a meal. We're celebrating a birthday of a close friend of ours. He's 50 years old. And we threw him a surprise party in our home. We drank, we ate, we had some fun. And then I went to bed, tired. Just a normal day. Anybody remember April 19, 2018? You probably don't because it's just a normal day. But for me, it was a life-transforming day. In fact, I've been following Jesus now since I was seven years old. I went to Aston Villa football ground where Billy Graham was preaching. I heard the gospel, the good news of Jesus at seven years old. And I tugged on my dad's coat and I said, Dad, I want to know Jesus. 
And like every good father does, he said, okay then, son, off you go. And I'm like, there's thousands of people going onto that ground. And I think I took my brother with me down into Aston Villa football ground where Billy Graham had just shared about this man, Jesus. There's something in me at seven years old that struck a chord. And I said, Lord, I want to live for you. Seven years old. At 11 years old, I joined Pastor Steve's ministry, Steve Uppall, a dear friend of mine. In fact, my brother-in-law. I've known him since I was seven years old. 11 years old, he starts something called Christian Warriors. What a great name. Christian Warriors. And a group of lads, myself, Mac, my brother, my older brother, Raj, Steve, Chris and Peter and a couple of other friends. We just started to gather and pray. And ask God to do something in our generation. And we were stirred at the age of 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. With a passion to see a generation follow Jesus. To see a generation not to get caught up with sex, drugs and rock and roll. But to be laid down lovers of Christ. I remember going up and down this nation. In schools and colleges and churches and youth groups. In fact, anybody that would have us, we would go. For one reason and one reason alone. To declare and speak and share about this man, Jesus. And then about the age of 26, I had a call from Steve and he said, Rick, would you leave your job and come and work for me at the church? He said, I've only got a budget of about £8,000. This is four weeks before I'm about to get married. He said, I've got a budget of about £8,000, so would you come and be my PA? My first response, proud, arrogant git that I am. I said, Steve, you can't afford me. I put the phone down. And then I was reminded of a conversation that myself and Steve had. Sitting on his bed, we had just come back from a youth meeting. I was 12 years old, he was 14 years old. And we were sitting on that bed and he said, Rick, there's going to come a day that I'm going to be a senior leader of a church and of a movement. This is 14 years old. And he said, I'm, I see you as my right-hand man, and I'm 12 years old. 14 and 12, we're sitting on his bed, and he says, Rick, this is what's going to happen. I believe it. this is what God's just told me, that I'm going to be a leader of a movement. He didn't even know what that meant. And you're going to, be, you're going to come and serve and support and be with me on that journey. I picked up the phone, first to Sarah, my wife. I said, I think I'm about to quit my job. I was pretty successful. Company car, jet setting here, there and everywhere. I was a salesman for a steel company. I mean, phenomenal. Loved it. It was a passion of mine. It wasn't work. I just enjoyed getting up every morning and going to sell steel tube to the world. (laughs) You laugh at me. Sheltered life. But I said, Sarah, I think I'm going to quit and I'm going to go and work for the church. That was an easier conversation than the one that I had with my mom and dad. So I picked up the phone to my mom and dad and said, Dad, Mom, I'm going to leave Marchigalia, the company that I was working for. Because I've had a call from Steve and he wants to take me on. And my mom's first response, how much is he going to pay you? I said, you don't want to know, Mom. It's about £8,000. She said, you're stupid. She's a believer. She loves Jesus. 
But she said, you're getting married in four weeks' time. You don't want to do that. I said, no, mom. I said, there's something that God's just reminded me of. A conversation I had some 14 years ago, sitting on Steve's bed. And he said, I'm going to be a senior leader and you're going to be my right-hand man. And I feel that now is the time to take a step of faith and honour God and do what he's called me to do. I want to say to you, young lady that came up here earlier on, and you were saying you're a little bit worried about finances. I want to say that the Lord will watch your coming and going both now and forevermore. Psalm 121, hold on to those promises. As you take a step of faith to do that year out program, I believe God will meet all of your needs and even more. Because I know I've seen that in my own life. I then recall getting married, (laughs) getting married, having kids. And then we said, we've got to buy our first house. But how do you buy your first house when you're only on £8,000 a year? I saw the house of then my dreams. It was a four-bedroom townhouse. The mortgage advisor had said to myself and Sarah, you can buy a house for the value of about £110,000. This house that I'd gone to see was next door to my brother's house, and it was on the market for £225,000. Slight difference. But he said, just come round. He's an Indian. He said, just come round, have a look at it anyway. So we walked in and we were like, wow, this is amazing. But we can't afford it. We came out of the house and the agents rang us the following day. And I said, what would they accept for the house? He said, put an offer in. So I thought, okay, what offer shall I put in? Again, being Indian, 195000 was the offer that I put in. I couldn't afford it. But I knew that I believed in a God that would meet all of my needs according to his glorious riches. And so I said, £195,000. The agents laughed at me and said, okay, we'll speak to the owners of the house and we'll come back to you. They came back to us within 24 hours and they said, your offer's been accepted. I thought, oh, pants. Now what do I do? (laughs) The only thing that I could do at that moment was look to my heavenly father. And I said, God, I need a deposit of about £80,000 in order for me to buy this house. I kid you not, within seven days, I had £80,000 to buy that house. That's the God that we believe in. But it started with single barren woman. Because I didn't see the promises come to fruition. I hadn't got the money in my account to take then the step of faith. I took the step of faith and I just trusted the Lord. Because Proverbs says, trust the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your path straight. So that then takes me now to April 19, 2018. Last year. I've gone to bed. A bit restless. Two weeks prior to that, I remember sitting with Steve in his office And I said, I'm wrestling. I'm wrestling with God. I'm wrestling with church. I'm wrestling with not whether Christ exists, but I want to see the manifestation of Christ 
in my life and in the church like I read about. I want to experience New Testament theology. I want to experience New Testament church in my day. I'm tired of hearing about revivals in other nations. I'm tired of reading about revivals in past generations. I want to see a move of God right now in my time. It's 1.46 in the morning. I know it's 1.46 in the morning because like we all do when we wake up, the first thing that we do is press the home button on our phone. I pressed the home button on my phone, which is on the bedside cabinet. Looked over, it's 1.46. And the light of the phone faded, but there was a light in the room that was brighter. And I knew straight away that it was Jesus. And he began to speak to me. It's weird, hey? He began to speak to me. He said, Rick, go into a 40-day fast. I was like, okay. (laughs) He says, you can eat fruits and vegetables and a small bowl of soup on the night. I said, okay. And I would think of fruits and I would think of vegetables. And he would then speak it out and say, it's okay for you to have that. He said, in that period of time, I want you to devour this word. Start in the New Testament. I said, what book? He said, Romans. We had some dialogue and then I I asked this weird question. Will I be mourning in this season? I don't know why I asked that question. It's not the first question that I would ask if Jesus was in the room. Maybe the first question I would have asked was, would you heal my wife, please? She's been sick for over five years. And I could really do with a breakthrough. But it was like there was this selfless moment. And the only thing that I could ask him was, will I mourn in this season? He said, all will be for your good and for my glory. I said, okay. I got up. In the morning, I shared it with my family. Imagine saying that to your wife and your children. And so, like I do every morning, I try and drop off the children to school and pick up the children from school. And we'll have devotions before we go. And then I normally have one final prayer, that bonus prayer in the car. And I said to Reuben, Reuben, would you put my Bible app on? Because I was going to go for a long journey. I was going for a long drive. I said, would you just put my Bible app on? About two minutes away from dropping him off at school. And he said, Dad, you won't believe what book it's on. Romans. Before I drop them off at the gates, automatically, and I'm glad that Reuben, who's, who was then 13, and Sienna, who was then 11, were sitting in the car with me. It changed automatically to Luke chapter 4 where Jesus goes into a 40-day fast. And it's just a confirmation to me, I spoke to you, and I'm confirming it again before you. And Reuben and Sienna were like, Dad, we can't go to school. We want to stay with you because we don't know what Jesus is going to do with you. And then I went on this trajectory for 40 days and for 40 nights. Visitations and encounters that I could keep you here all day. And since that moment, Continually have visitations and encounters. In virtually all of the visitations and encounters, it's speaking about 
a coming move of God. And I want to say to us, church, that we've got to be ready. We've got to prepare our hearts. We've got to prepare our marriages. We've got to prepare our homes. We've got to prepare our children for this coming move of God. I'll be here all day, all night for the next 40 odd days. If I kept you here, story after story after story of what I've seen and where God's taken me. But I'm telling you, the only answer for our nation isn't Brexit, the Labour Party, the Conservative Party or the Liberal Democrats. The only hope for our nation is the Church of Jesus Christ. And we are poised, ready. And there's two things I'll leave with you for an application as a takeaway. There's two things I feel the Lord has said that we've got to get ready. Number one, humility. That we as a group of people, we as a church of Jesus Christ would be marked with humility. Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name, any Christians in the house, you're called after his name, would humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then you will hear from heaven and I will come and heal your land. Humility comes before an outpouring of his spirit and revival on the land. Then the other passage of scripture that has been so impressed on my spirit and on my heart is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Let's take a break there. Everything belongs to Christ. Nothing that you have, nothing that you own, nothing that's been given to you is yours. It's all His. And then it says, question, who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God our Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek you. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Seller, pause. Be holy, for I am holy, 1 Peter 1, 16. Be holy, for I am holy. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. I believe what the Lord wants to do is clean up his church so that he can come back for the spotless bride that he wants to come back for. And I want to say to us, let us be careful of what we swipe, click and flick. Especially on our phones. Maybe speaking to the younger generation here. But he who has clean hands and a pure heart then have the ability to ascend the hill of the Lord. We want to see the power of God break out in our midst. And he's saying, I can't because darkness and light cannot mix. We want to see his glory invade our nation. It goes on to say in Psalm 24 towards the end of the passage of 
uh, at the end of that chapter. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. He is the King of glory. It's like if you can clean up your act, it's the key that unlocks the gates and the bars around our nation. And we will see the iron bars that surround our towns, our villages and our nation and our continent come down. But it's going to start with purity and holiness. In Second Timothy, he writes, I think it's in chapter 3, a whole list of stuff that's going to happen at the end of the age. And he says, my people in there, he said, they'll be boastful, they'll be arrogant, they'll be lovers of themselves, they'll be lovers of money. And then he said, they'll also be unholy. And I want to say to us, church, let's clean up our act so that we can see the revival. I loved just catching the snippet of 2020, um, one event. And I think it's Pastor Stewart saying something about revival. And something ignited on my heart as he said those words because I believe revival will break out. We're already badged next year as an all-nations family. Revival ready. Because we believe that there is an unprecedented move of God to sweep across our land. But it's going to take us to become holy, clean, pure vessels, fit for the master's business. In Daniel chapter 1, They've been taken captive. And the king says to his chief noble, his chief official, go and find me some men. So he brings to the king, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And he puts on this beautiful spread, amazing spread of food. And he said, I want you to eat that so you can be healthy and rich on the inside with all of the, uh, the correct nutrients and everything that you need. Daniel says these words in Daniel chapter 1. I think it's about verse 8 or 9. Sorry, chief, I cannot eat off this table and defile myself. See, we every day nibble at the table of the world, get defiled, and then we want God to move in and through our lives. And he's like, there's a contradiction there. I can't do that. Reminded of the story in Genesis. When Joseph has been made charge over everything. And then Potiphar's wife says, will you sleep with me? And he says, no, 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 no. My master has made me charge over everything, but not over you. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against my Father in heaven. He didn't say, how can I do such a wicked thing and we may get caught out. You may get pregnant. Somebody else may see us. He had this connection with Christ that said, I will not become unholy. And I'm saying to us, church, come on. We're talking about revival. We believe that revival is imminent. But he needs a church. There is one humble humility, marked with humility, and number two, marked with holiness. 
Would you stand with me as I just draw this to a close? Maybe you're here this evening and you may not have lived as you ought to have lived. May have clicked, flicked, switched. Things that you should never have done. You may have thought in ways or acted in ways that have not been correct. You may have harboured some sin in your life. Anger in your life. Jealousy in your life. I just want to say in this moment, why don't you just take a few moments... I'll say it again, Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, repentance, then you will hear from heaven and I will come and heal your land. So just take a few moments this evening and just make it right with Jesus. There's no shame in this. It's the reason Jesus came and died. So that we can be free from all guilt and condemnation and shame. So Father, I thank you as your family are whispering prayers up to you this evening. Would you, by your grace and by your love and by your kindness, take away all of the wrongdoings, wrong saying, wrong attitudes and make them ready for revival. Revival in their own lives but revival in this town, in this region, in this nation, Lord Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your presence amongst us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.